When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mrs. Cooper. Guess who I met last night on one of my shenanigans. <laughs> I'm going to start the whole new season with another massive name drop because, I mean, that's what you expect, isn't it? Go on. Well, I, I do. Firstly, um, just to clarify for the listeners, Cooper is my married name, so they might be confused. They might think you've got a new partner on the show, but it's the same old Trish, isn't it? It's oh, the same old Trish. Hell, anyway, Enough. Back to the name drop, because it wouldn't be postcards from midlife without you doing a big old name drop. Go on. Male, A-lister, chatting away, very nice young man. Well, Mm -hmm. not a young man, he's kind of our age, maybe a little bit older. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say Hunger Games, that might be your reference point. Maybe. Then I'm going to say Italian cookery. Oh, (gasps) Stanley Tucci. Yeah. No, well, I know he lives in London, so you've got a Hollywood A-lister in London. Yes. That's very exciting. Already said hello to him. Right. um, Obviously. Same height as me, Trish. Oh, okay. Interesting. A, a, a small, a smaller frame. Very dainty. Very oh, charming. Nice. Very dainty. Lovely. I do yeah. like Stanley. You he's, like a, he's a charmer, isn't he? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teams. Here we are back for season six, episode 80 something. We've done so many, I have lost count now, but I feel that we could be saying that we've reached box set status, Trish, with so many episodes (laughs) under our belts. We're like the West Wing of podcasts or we have reached peak alan partridge as i like to think of us now (laughs) yeah somewhere between the two maybe yes somewhere between the west wing and alan partridge but we're very thankful for all of our kind souls you lovely listeners who are tuning in downloading and coming back for more of our midlife bants as the teenagers might say or maybe you've been binging on old episodes while we've been away for the past few weeks uh, like the lovely Kay who emailed us to tell us I've spent my entire Sunday gardening and listening oh my to four God, episodes Kay. <laughs> of postcards from midlife in sheer bliss I adore your podcast I always tell my friends about you and only last week was reflecting with my friends on how lockdown felt and I was reminded how many a moment was spent in my garden listening to you both in such depressing times and yet how educated and motivated I became on my own midlife as a result gosh I think I'm blushing Lorraine I'm blushing your little cheeks glowing there Trish well Kay I can tell you we have got even more fabulous guests lined up for this season in fact Unlike HRT, there is no shortage of amazing midlife women doing remarkable things. And we'll also be discussing lots of midlife issues and sharing expert advice on fashion, beauty, travel and interiors too. But before we get into all of that, I think we should have a little catch up on what we've been up to over the last few weeks when we've been having a break from all of you. Tell me, Trish, midlife mayhem, what have you been doing? (laughs) 
Well, it's been quite fun, actually. I mean, obviously, we work in between times because we're getting everything prepped and organised and booking celebrities and whatnot. But I went to Paris with my lovely Esme because she turned 18 with my lovely friend Nicole and her daughter Molly, 18. So it was kind of mums and daughters go mad in Paris. And it was the first time I'd been back there since our fashion show days. So I was on the metro, on the public transport, walking around like a proper tourist. Like, like a tourist. Was, yeah. Like a tourist, which I loved. It was so, I never knew that the Pompidou was so near to where we used to be all that time. I thought, because <laughs> we used well, to no. drive around in circles all the time and think it was miles away, but actually you could have walked there in five minutes. Did you speak anyway, your special Trish French while well, my you were franglais, there? I tried yeah. in the cafes <laughs> with my franglais, which kind of worked sometimes. Uh, one other thing I did uh, through a birthday party for Neil, that was quite messy. Young Neil. Young Neil, yes. Um, that was very good. 3am, got to bed. Barbecue. Um, barbecue, yeah, barbecue in the cold, but he always likes barbecue. He loves barbecue, that um, man, doesn't he? And then a couple of things I read, Great Circle, which you recommended uh, from your yes. Women's Prize for Fiction list. And I absolutely loved it. And you know how we were saying about trying to get men to read women yeah. authors? Well, Neil agreed, because it's about aeroplanes, Neil agreed to listen to the audiobook. So he's working his way through that at the moment. That's so good. well done, you. Tick, tick for but you. I failed at listening. I've never read The Thursday Murder Club, and I know everybody in the world seems to have read it. Yeah, and Richard I thought, well, Osmond. But... Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. thought I'll do that as an audiobook because Leslie Manville was narrating it. I thought, well, I can't go wrong. Well, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get Can through do it. it. No, it's interesting. Just, I don't know. And you know how much we love Leslie, so I feel a bit like I've let Leslie down a bit there. So well, it's a good to... job we didn't follow her into the toilet last <laughs> week when we went to that film premiere, isn't it? <laughs> we saw her. We were, we were very fangirly, weren't we? <laughs> We were, as usual, ridiculous, um, but we didn't pluck up the courage to go and say hello. And then she was going into the toilet and it's a good job that because that would have been the only story you had. Wouldn't yes, on Leslie I wouldn't have any point. other yes. celeb dropping stories um, like you. But what about the, you? What did you do on the way to see oh, yes. the film? I walked past the Palladium in London where Engelbert Humperdinck, t- I didn't know he was still I know. Humperdinking, as it were. I mean, I it was quite mad, wasn't it? Because it was just, there were so many pensioners, like really, really old, old pensioners, yes. and a lot of walking sticks outside the Palladium. I thought, yes. what is going Super on? bingo or something, I don't know. And it was Engelbert Humperdinck. Looking, I mean, looking yes. very, very perky on, yes. on, on the pictures. Well, I've had um, a little break with the family down in my home county, mm-hmm. Cornwall. I was also down there writing that blasted mm, book, the Trish, book, which is, I don't know, you're going to have to drag it out of me, I think, because I don't really enjoy the sitting down writing process. Procrastinating, procrastinating. And I was on my own without my family to do that, because obviously I can't mm. do it when they're anywhere near me, because they all need things all the time. Um, then I had my little funny train journey back, didn't I, from Cornwall? <laughs> you were, I was getting days. 30 minute updates from you on the WhatsApp, wasn't I? It was very, it was, it made me laugh a lot. Do you want to well, share some of yes, the things? Yes, okay, I'm going to briefly share that um, I got on the train that had been delayed by hours after it had been cancelled uh, at Bodmin, at Bodmin Station, and a lady got on next to me shouting at the top of the voice about, at her children and about going to the dentist and how her mum had been banned from the dentist for punching the dentist. 
<laughs> she couldn't go to the dentist in Cornwall. She could only go to the dentist in Devon. So I listened to that story while a really large man ate a huge lunch opposite <laughs> me and a very angry yoga teacher who was writing yoga details from her yoga oh. book and huffing and puffing. And oh, I managed goodness. to survive that bit of the train, had to, had to change to another platform, <laughs> to another station. And I got on and of, of the whole train, the lady with a harp... I kid you not, sat next to me. It was enormous and had to go harp end up on the oh, table see, for five hours. Oh, no. <laughs> that is Drawn hilarious. To me, they are. I think you need to get that in your book somewhere or something like yes, that. So I think anyway. it's, it's very funny. I had a I had a, a smelly salami incident on a train as well. Is that a couple of code weeks ago. for something or is well, that? Oh God! Story? Oh dear! Oh no! Don't don't go there. No, it was literally you know when people open some really smelly smelly stinky food and then I don't, start you're very sensitive to that. I know. Because... I think I'm, we've talked about this, haven't we? I think maybe we might have to do this on the podcast. So I feel like I am hypersensitive to noise, smells everything humans neil calls me princess in the pea so that kind of gives you a bit of a bit of an idea but maybe if anybody else is like hypersensitive i think we might want to talk about that so you know pop a little post on the facebook group or uh, email us about that don't you think yes so um but anyway enough of trains Back to the today's show. show we're kicking off with culture club um our recommendations for things to read listen to and watch that are tickling our fancies right now i don't know if you can say tickling our fancies <laughs> just it's a bit ken dodd the latest <laughs> ken dodd uh, unless you mean fondant fancies because i do mm. like them not the not the chocolate ones i only like the other ones mm. anyway we've got a fantastic show lined up today the writer and tv producer kate muir author of everything you need to know about the menopause but we're afraid to ask is coming on she is also the woman behind those amazing davina mccall documentaries on channel four the latest of which you may have seen last week um i think it was on monday and it looked at the revolutionary research in how the brain changes during midlife and menopause. You must watch it. We can catch up on Channel 4 to see that, and we'll post a link on the Facebook group. We absolutely recommend you get the men in your life and your friends and if your employers, hopefully, to watch it as well. Yes, so we have a lot to talk about with Kate, including the national HRT shortage. So do stay tuned for that. And we are shaking things up a bit this season because we're going to be featuring inspiring stories from the wonderful women in the postcards community in Midlife Milestones and Magic Moments, <laughs> otherwise known as... Mm... <laughs> yes, get that, that's the two finest minds in <laughs> British journalism. <laughs> came up with that <laughs> interest uh all the m sorry i mean if someone's got a better name we would be most yeah. grateful please email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com um, or pop a comment in the facebook group or drop a note on messenger or even you can dm me on instagram the postcards from midlife account because we do want to share all of these fabulous things that you're doing in midnight so all you need to do is just to tell us of a moment of transformation change just something that's magical that other women would benefit from hearing Mm, and let's not forget nostalgia noodle which is refreshed and revitalized but still a trip down memory lane with some laughs and silly moments thrown in super shall we crack on trish We, we should Now, we often like to ease into a new series of the podcast with some very important telly, book, film and podcast chat to fire up the imagination and also to help everyone cut through the gazillions of stuff out there that's available to watch, read and listen to. So, Lorraine, what's first on your hot list? Well, 
I am still reading books despite having read over 72 books with the Women's Prize for Fiction. So I've moved from fiction yes. to this really lovely book by Abby Morgan, who mm. is a writer on The Split. You know, we love The Split, but um, also she wrote Suffragette, um, The Hour, Brick Lane. She's a mega award-winning writer uh, who's in her 50s now. And the book is called This Is Not a Pity Memoir. It's just the most extraordinary story. So mm-hmm. her husband, who has MS, collapsed in the bathroom one afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't unexpected, but he basically went into a coma um, for nearly three years. Mm-hmm. When he woke up, he wouldn't accept she was his wife. He would accept the rest of the family and everything else and the history of his life. But he thought she was an imposter pretending to be Abby Morgan and the psychology of it and the way their whole family life changed. Mm. So extraordinary. He, um, Jacob, is an actor. Do you remember the BT advert in the 1980s where Maureen Lippman is Oh, yes. And the boy. BT, isn't she? Yes. And the boy sits on the stairs and says, Gran, I got an, you know, I got, I failed everything and I got, but I did get sociology. And she says, oh, you got an ology. You can be a scientist. That Jacob is oh, Abby Morgan's husband. Oh, He's the teenager sitting there. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Is there a good outcome? There is an uplifting mm. outcome because it's a kind of evaluation of life as a couple um, mm-hmm. and also about your own identity, that even if you are in a couple, even if you do have a family, you've really got to stay strong to your own identity and know mm-hmm. who you are and value that. During the time, she also had breast cancer. So oh um, she talks about that. It's really about the fragility of life and having mm. a very, you know, switching your mindset around it. And obviously it's incredibly beautifully written. Yes. Well. yeah, I highly is. recommend that. Oh, too. that's a good one. I have a book. My book is uh, One Day I Shall Astonish the World by Nina Stibb. Love her. Love her. And it's about two friends. So, yes, she does think in Cornwall. It's fictional. And it's about two friends who've known each other for 30 years. And it's about kind of navigating marriage, motherhood. But mainly it's about ambition because one of them is really successful in her career as an academic and the other hasn't been until she reaches her 50s. And, you know, there's a lot of that kind of, I think a lot of us can relate to it where where you sort of think in midlife, is this it? Is there more? What else can I do? So I think that is quite um, an interesting kind of topic to explore as well as the kind of you know she's longevity funny. of friendships and it's funny and yeah. yeah she's very good and obviously she herself um she proves the point because she, it took her 30 years to write yeah. her first novel and you know sort of semi-memoir thing wasn't it it became yes. a bestseller on on tv everything so I think that's a really if anybody's feeling a little bit oh what have I what have I done with my life it's probably a good one to it's good on friendship isn't up. it this yeah. one yeah, 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 exactly. Because obviously, I'm a bit younger than you. Trish. <laughs> Twelve months, 14, fourteen months, fourteen months. Yes, you know, and a little bit more successful. Mm, I don't know. I, I know. Mean, yes, exactly. <laughs> you, <laughs> think, you believe what you believe. That's fine with me. <laughs> Can I tell you about something really funny? This will make you laugh. Old enough on Netflix. Oh right, it's just such a kind of roller coaster of emotions. Watch. It's really unexpected. I didn't think I would be. It just came up on one of my should you have a look at it. And then a couple of friends who've got young kids said you must watch it. Yeah. It's a very old Japanese program. So it's edited um, from that. From that, um, They send toddlers around the age mm. of two or three on missions. So they usually send them to the supermarket with a list of three things they've got oh, to buy. Okay. They've got to cross a busy road. They go on their own. Cross a busy road. No. 
navigate a list ask somebody where something is in the supermarket yes. um, and it's it takes it's meticulously set up so it's completely safe everyone's informed but you watch these little fellas and they've got their little list and their little oh. and they toddle along and a bus goes by oh <laughs> and they go into the supermarket and your heart's in your mouth will they remember the cucumber will oh. they it's so wonderful and, and what do we watch. what do we learn what do we learn what we learn trish hmm. is that they almost always come back with what they've been sent for oh, they love it smarter. and they talk to themselves want, yeah throughout the whole journey they chat away to themselves oh. um, and they love getting that responsibility you know sometimes I will send my 18 year old upstairs to get something and an hour later I'll find her on the stairs on her phone yeah I mean these three-year-olds so we, we should have started asking them at three so anybody yes. out there if you're listening and you haven't had your babies yet we've got little ones get them now to pick the towels up off the floor and then yes. by the time they get to 14 they might actually start knowing properly really to these it. toddlers three-year-olds yeah. going all, all 20 minute walk there yeah. and 20 minutes back and shopping yeah it's, the thing is Trish it's possible it's possible anyway it's called old enough and it's on Netflix excellent right I have a podcast for you and it's by B.B. Lynch who um, you will know Lorraine she's a very funny journalist I worked with her many many years ago and she has her own radio shows might make you jealous yes and now um, I am jealous (laughs) and she does have podcasts and her latest podcast is called let's get frank and it's all about dating and finding love after 40 and each episode she goes on a different date as well as talk to sex and relationships coach Annabelle Knight about you know what it is that women are looking for in men what she's looking for why you might fall into the same patterns uh, of dating the difficulties that things around internet dating what what's going on if you constantly like old men and then you hear her on the date kind of it's sort of her interviewing a guy really about it and you get lots of dating advice and it's very very funny so I think anybody single newly out there still single out there you know BB says (laughs) she makes me laugh because she says I haven't I haven't had gone beyond a first date since Princess Diana died (laughs) so it's like she's a woman on a mission are you picking up tips Trish for if you've got a dating journey ahead of you well I hope not (laughs) I want to get back into that I wish I didn't really date in the first place because I met Neil when I was so young but anyway that's another story what else we'll do our dating history yes we should mine will be very uh, short yes exactly mine's a bit silly anyway unlocking us podcast by Brené Brown you know I'm a big fan of very clever Um, and smart yes not the whole series because I do find that American waffling on slightly annoying but (laughs) um it's very introspective Mm. waffling but I'm a fan of her books and she interviews in I think it's the third one um a writer called Susan Cain Mm. now Susan Cain wrote Quiet the Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking and it was on the New York Times bestseller Mm. list for seven years Susan's got a new book out called Bittersweet and it's for those of us who have a melancholy disposition oh hands up to that obviously (laughs) so it's basically the book is basically about the the power the hidden power of sad songs and rainy Mm. days you know the kind Mm. of thing us melancholy people yes are drawn to and foreboding joy the theory of foreboding joy you know that when you have a moment and you're absolutely joyously happy but someone like me has in the back of the mind that this will this is going to last it's not going <laughs> to last oh my goodness yeah. anyway yeah. 
in the podcast, because Brené Brown's very good at interviewing mm-hmm. people, she talks out this sorrow and longing element of life and the fragility of life and how you can turn that thinking around mm-hmm. and actually really enjoy things and feel happy and comforted and very happily enjoying the moment. And she also talks about the power of writing lists and getting mm-hmm. things out. It's just a really good interview. And I think for women in midlife, it would be incredibly helpful um, yeah. to listen to it. You know, especially when you have that thing where you think, I'm a bit lost, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Who am I? Susan Kane talks really eloquently about it's good to feel yeah. sad. It's good so to sit with the discomfort. you listen to the podcast or you could buy a book, couldn't you? You could go two ways with that. Yes, I think, the, yeah. I think the book is probably a little bit more academic, um, mm. whereas I think listening to Susan talk about it and also talking about during her um, 20s, she was constantly moving. Um, she was an academic researcher mm. and she gave all her diaries that she'd kept to her mum to take back home to look after mm-hmm. them. And she just she didn't think her mum would read them all. Oh, <laughs> <She> read them. <laughs> Um, which had such sense shockwaves through their relationship and she talks about this really movingly in the podcast about how you get over that kind of thing so I would highly recommend that and it's also about exploring your creativity which when we had Tanya Shadrick on um, the author she talked about how important that was Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's it's a really soft listen about feeling your feelings um, and I think after the pandemic, that's quite a good it's thing. Quite a nice one, isn't it? Um, I want to give a, a quick mention to something. Actually, I've already watched it, but it might have passed everybody by on Sky TV called Somebody Somewhere. Did you see that? No, I've not. Oh, seen it's it. so lovely. It's like little half hour um, shows. Um, and it's basically it stars this comedian, actor and singer called Bridget Everett, who I don't know whether you you might no. know if you see saw her. She's American and she's very larger than life in terms of her character, her singing and her actual physical being and this is a kind of comedy basically she's a 40 something woman and she's struggling to adjust to life in her hometown in Kansas where she's gone back to nurse her dying sister and then she strikes up a friendship with this gay guy who uh, she used to go to school with and he remembers her but she doesn't remember him and they they have a sort of singing choir and it's it's just one of those lovely gentle not a lot happens but uplifting very very funny so I would um highly recommend that if if anybody hasn't seen it you can probably find that on your sky channel and then I just wanted to give quick mention to our friends at Muddy Stilettos and that's a website isn't it for people living outside of the big cities you know in all the counties across the land and it covers art culture fashion travel shopping that's kind of going on at a local level it's really really useful and they've just launched the muddy stilettos award which is all about celebrating amazing local independent businesses so if you have a great salon a shop a coffee shop a farm shop where you you can nominate and vote for them and many of these businesses are run by women and often midlife women having second act second careers and given how tough things have been during the pandemic and now the cost of living crisis i think it's more than more important than ever to support these really great indie businesses good Get yes there we are a lot of information that's the end of our culture club i feel like we should be making have a little singing song theme oh. tune to this but um let's we'll work that. on it we'll work yes. on it. um hope you enjoyed it everyone if you have any recommendations things to listen to watch read whatever do email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com and we will share those two next month <laughs> This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's time to meet our first guest of the new season, Scottish writer and documentary maker Kate Muir. I think it's safe to say Kate has been one of the UK's leading menopause warriors. She's the author of Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause and When Too Afraid to Ask, a no-holds-barred fact-filled guide to all aspects of this stage of life, and she produced both the groundbreaking Davina McCall documentaries for Channel 4, which debunked the myths surrounding the menopause and its evil sister, the perimenopause, and called the medical establishment into question for their scandalous approach to women's health in the UK. In the latest show, which aired on Monday, May the 2nd, we learnt for the first time about revolutionary new research into how the brain changes during midlife. Kate, 58, was previously the chief film critic for The Times and a feature writer for the paper based in New York, Paris and Washington. She has also written three novels. Her perimenopause and menopause plunged her into a chaotic midlife crisis just as she was going through a painful divorce, parenting three teenagers and caring for her mother, Ella, who was dying of Alzheimer's. Today, we're going to be asking Kate why this new insight into the female brain in midlife is so important and what it means for you. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Kate. Well, thank you for having me on. I've listened to you in the bath for years now, so I am very happy <laughs> to be with you. I thought we would begin by talking a little bit about your journey, because in your book, you explain that the first of your perimenopause symptoms were heart palpitations. You went to your GP and the GP said, well, this is excessive coffee consumption. <laughs> um, but you went on to have panic attacks, night sweats and lots of other symptoms. And at one point you were prescribed unregulated hormone lozenges um, and that kind of led to cervical and uterine biopsies what it was the journey talk us through that I couldn't have made a worse mess of it or my own life so I managed you know to really not understand I was in menopause in my late 40s so I always think of perimenopause now as menopause's evil little sister you know comes upon you by stealth you have no idea I knew nothing I just thought I was going to sail through it because I thought that's what I did you know and I was getting on with my life so I ended up having all these weird symptoms I didn't get help at that point which was quite a while ago from my GP so I went privately and that was a bit of a mistake because the clinic I went to I think had unregulated compounded hormones which are little lozenges that you suck but I am not sure how much goes into your cheek how much goes into your body it's not like the bio body identical hormones we have now and that we rub into our skin so it was all a bit of a big risk and I got incredible bleeding and ended up going back to the clinic they gave me more of these 
little lozenges and charged me another pile of money. And it, it was really risky. So I went to the NHS and they basically said, you know, you need to sort this out. Uh, but they didn't really recognize that these compounded hormones were a serious thing that they were you know affecting me and it was only when I went to of course our you know menopause guru Dr Louise Newson and she sorted me out and she sorted me out in about five minutes by balancing up my progesterone and my estrogen you know to protect my womb really really simple but at that moment that moment of being in her surgery changed my life and as it turned out a lot of other women's lives because she told me about a woman who had depression for seven years in her 40s given every different pill and eventually was given electroconvulsive treatment in a mental hospital as an outpatient 12 sessions and that basically shut her down and she stayed at home she couldn't leave she completely agoraphobic couldn't walk her dog and after really really hitting rock bottom she started Googling and she found out about hormonal depression. And this is about five years ago or something. So it wasn't as known as it is now. Mm-hmm. She mortgaged her house. She bought an RV vehicle <laughs> and she, her husband drove it to Louise Newsom's surgery because she was agoraphobic. She wouldn't leave home. And she had urinary tract infections as well. So she couldn't even manage to do that. Agony, yeah. Went in, got the hormones. A week later, felt much, much better and walked a dog for the first time in seven years. Mm-hmm. And when Louise Newsom told me that story about mental health, the menopause, and the complete misdiagnosis of someone year after year after year, I thought, I cannot let that happen to other people. And if I knew so little, I made such a mess, and I'm an investigative journalist, yes. mm-hmm. I've been to war zones. Why the hell can't I, you know, fight mm-hmm. the menopause? And so that's where it began. Mm-hmm. So you've spent the last few years of your career really, really focusing on this, haven't you? And finding out about what's happening to millions of women over 40. And, um, you know, obviously you've put your journalism to really good use, creating those amazing Channel 4 documentaries. And we've just seen the new one. How easy or difficult has that journey been, do you think, of trying to get this message out there and trying to get people to take it seriously? It has been a massive struggle Mm -hmm. and it's gone wrong so many times that I think it's actually in some way now destined to go right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It it has its own momentum. Uh, So I I decided I had to make a documentary that day after leaving Louisa's uh, surgery. And I've never made a documentary before, which slightly stood in the way of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then I just reached out to friend after friend who knew someone who knew someone. And I took it to two or three of the channels and they all said, uh, no menopause documentary why would anyone watch that yeah who wants to, the same as Ooh, i had heard in newspapers who wants to read those headlines about yeah. those women yeah mm-hmm. so we were like no way uh then we got it commissioned and then we got a different presenter from the one we then got just as we were about to start filming lockdown happened channel 4 took away all my money mm-hmm. and the presenter disappeared and that was it so i thought shit what am i going to do i know all this stuff I'm going to write a book because I'm unemployed and there's nothing else to do. So in lockdown, there I was. And of course it was brilliant because all these scientists were trapped with nothing to do in their bedrooms at midnight. And so I rang people in Australia and I rang people at Yale and Harvard. And I was talking to women who'd given Alzheimer's to mice in Wisconsin. And, you know, 
put them in a maze and taken away their ovaries and discovered that, you know, mice who didn't have ovaries were much, much more muddled than mice who were normal. So I was having these mad conversations with people. And so in a way that I'm, I know you're both, you know, we've, we've all been magazine journalists mm -hmm. and daily journalists. It was the kind of journalism I've never been allowed to do before in my life, mm -hmm. which was dig, dig, dig deep. Don't trust anything anyone has said on this subject because so much of it is wrong and the accepted opinion on lots and lots yeah. of books and information and on parts of the NHS website mm. are incredibly out of date and once I started not trusting anyone and then going to the source myself and reading the scientific paper and Dr Newson and some of the other doctors sort of taught me how to read scientific papers it wasn't that difficult but you need to have things yeah. to you and I learned the vocabulary and then once I'd done that I, 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 I knew enough and we came back to the documentary and it was actually through you Lorraine we would not be here without you you put me in touch with Davina you said oh she might be interested in talking about this and I rang Davina and she was driving home for an hour in her car and we started talking about our relationships and the menopause, and we'd both broken up with our partners during perimenopause. Mm. We both had a mad time, and we both had this realization about HRT just literally changing our lives. She just was like, okay, I'm on it. <laughs> and that the rest was history. And um, so we went back, got the money back from Channel 4, and of course now we've made two documentaries yeah. because there was such a response to the last one. And what was odd about it, it was, you know, 1.3 million people watched it on the first night good for a Channel 4 documentary at nine o'clock. By the next Friday, two million people had watched oh, it yeah. and it started to grow and grow. And it was a real word of mouth among women thing. And people, I mean, just, I, I was sort of in tears afterwards because people were just sending me, you know, Instagram Yeah, messages, changed their going, lives. Oh, I've decided not to commit suicide yes, now because exactly. I realised I'm not mentally ill mm. and I haven't got Alzheimer's and it's actually just brain fog or, you know, and, and every woman who appeared in that documentary made a difference to thousands of women's lives and you know I really really thank them all from you know Karen Arthur and Menopause Black to the women who were willing to talk about their vaginas their mm. dry vaginas on television and really I felt like we had this army of people working together who'd all been very brave to do that for the first time and I still kind of thank them regularly. Yeah. Well it was amazing and the second one so for anyone who hasn't seen the second uh, documentary it's called Sex Mind and the Menopause and Davina presents it's on Channel 4. So you asked 4,000 women between 45 and 55 about their perimenopause and menopausal journey. 50% of them said their symptoms had adversely affected their ability to do their jobs. 70% were suffering brain fog. 84% felt they had no one to talk to at work about their symptoms 79 percent had not tried hrt which as we know is a lifesaver for midlife women um the show was really exposed to kind of shameful lack of information out there still a year on from the last documentary why is this message not getting through to the medical profession why are we not taking it seriously i mean we're seeing headlines it's been on the front page hrt three times this week it still feels like no one's listening i am astounded at what the department of health and social care and the nhs are not doing there is this massive fatberg of bureaucracy and indeed you know the man who runs the future menopause pathways plan for the NHS and is deciding what we should do is A, a man, and B, not a doctor, and C, not a gynaecologist. 
And I just am astounded that we are allowing bureaucrats to decide what's happening to women's bodies. I think it's a massive feminist issue and it's our late life feminist issue. And we need to tackle it. And we absolutely, you know, there is this menopausal elite in a sense of, you know, quite well-informed women who've read up this stuff. Mm-hmm. We really, really need to get the message out to other communities, economically deprived communities, people who don't speak English, refugees. We really, really need to talk to this wider audience. And the NHS should be doing that. It, it should really just give people a menopause consultation in their 40s and give them a form when they come in, if they can come in, which says, here are 20 symptoms of the menopause. Do you have some of them? Maybe you've got perimenopause. I mean, one of the things we did in the programme, which really shocked me, was we put the word perimenopause into the NHS search engine. And we got one mention of the words that really didn't make any sense. And what we learned in that survey, and what was really interesting in that survey, is I insisted we did 45 to 55, and not just sort of menopausal women, which would have been kind of 50 to 55. Mm -hmm. So the the chunk that came in there that was really interesting in this survey was the perimenopausal women. And they are all going crazy. That has become completely clear to me that that heart, you know, that is actually where the struggle is for a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And the idea that there is one mention of this thing, which is causing incredible mental health problems and anxiety among women on the NHS website, which is where people go to first out of safety is really shocking and I think we begin to cause more trouble here I I really really do I'm I'm not going to finish at this point so um, and the other thing about the perimenopausal women in in that survey was I was looking at the symptoms and what came out and it was like 84% of women in our survey were sleepless quite a lot of the time. I think in the documentary, I mean, one of the most fascinating things, and this this is kind of quite new in the conversation as well, is the research by Dr. Roberta Brinton and, and Dr. Lisa Moscone in New York on the female brain in midlife. And uh, I mean, there were these amazing brain scans we saw of how basically estrogen starts <laughs> taking your brain apart, doesn't it, during perimenopause or the lack of estrogen? And I mean, that was just fascinating and, and quite worrying. Can you just explain what you discovered through that? Lisa Moscone is fantastic. She's written The XX Brain, and it's all about the risks of dementia after menopause and also what you can do about it in terms of taking estrogen or exercise and nutrition, which are huge in this. So it's looking after your brain in later life. But what they did was this fantastic paper, which is in nature, which shows you the premenopausal, perimenopausal and sort of postmenopausal brain. And basically you can see the lights dimming on the postmenopausal brain and they begin to dim in perimenopause and we're pumping much less estrogen to our brains and estrogen receptors are all over our brains. And that's why we get the short circuiting, which results in hot flushes, in sleeplessness and anxiety. And all these things are coming from our brain. And the idea that estrogen, you know, people keep saying is a sex hormone for fertility. No, it's a brain hormone and it's in the whole of our body. And we keep looking at that wrong as a sort of female hormone rather than an essential part of our brains anyway one of the more interesting things which we couldn't even go into properly on the television because you've got to be so fast and just get the info out there was what happens to the gray matter and white matter in your brain in Moscone's study and in perimenopause your gray matter which is your thought processing stuff your thinking matter starts going down and down and dips really uh, and then starts coming back up a bit 
in post-menopause, which is really interesting, but your white matter, which is the connective kind of connected tissue in your brain. So when you're thinking back, you're thinking, well, what was their name? Now let me think, and then you remember half an hour later. That's really because the, the connection was very, very slow, but it's still there. And the white matter in your brain, those connections really, really doesn't reboot very well Gosh. at all. It doesn't, re- it, mm-hmm. it flatlines. So that sort of explains the strange kind of female brain fog we have, which is that often we'll ring one another afterwards and we'll have said, oh, we went to see that film, which had Uma Thurman in it, but it wasn't the Quentin Tarantino one. It was the other one, which we saw last Wednesday. And then the other person rings you later and goes, oh, you know, it was, you know, <laughs> or whatever it was. And, um, you know, yeah. you have these kind of mad conversations with other mm-hmm. midlife women. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is because our brains are changing and the estrogen goes down, but actually we pump more blood to our brains after menopause. And I think that's because we're desperately compensating. We're like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember, I'm doing the list. And you can make your brain work harder. A lot of us do. But the other thing that happens in your brain, which was the real scary thing for me, um, is that the amyloid plaques, which are the beginning of Alzheimer's and the signs of Alzheimer's, build, start, start coming in perimenopause and build up in menopause. And that is the moment where we should be paying attention to HRT. So if you have enormous memory loss in perimenopause, if you, you know, have lots and lots of hot flushes, as they said in the program, this is the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. You should be looking into getting estrogen one way or the other, and and you should be maybe looking into getting HRT to protect your brain because you're one of the more likely candidates. Mm -hmm. It's not always the case, but, you know, my mum died of Alzheimer's. I am going to stay on HRT forever. <laughs> yeah. So that so what they they were essentially saying in the program, and this is kind of the scandalous bit, is that the earlier you replace that estrogen, the better it is for your brain. So if you leave that, it's quite hard to rebuild, isn't it? Yeah. Once it's been taken apart because that's what's happened in the previous studies the infamous uh, women's health initiative study which told us all we were going to get breast cancer from hrt turned out to be incorrectly done uh, but that study also studied dementia in sixteen thousand women and they gave them the old-fashioned hrt which is the old-fashioned synthetic combined pill which also contained horse urine and they gave it to them at the average age of 63 by which time their estrogen receptors had shut down in their brain yeah. There's a meaningless um, study. And they were chucking mm-hmm. a heavy dose of HRT onto them and their dementia got worse. And mm-hmm. that is cited as, you know, the big thing that HRT will give you dementia, whereas there's all these other studies, these small studies, which show that it looks like the transdermal body identical HRT is matching the estrogen in your brain and it's doing it nothing but good. And the most brilliant thing we found in the documentary with Dr. Roberta Brinson was she studied 400,000 women's health records. And these were, you know, these are probably middle-class women who have health insurance. So they're a similar bunch of people. They're not, they're not like rich and poor. They're they're Mm -hmm. similar people. Those who were on HRT and particularly transdermal estrogen were 73% less likely to get Alzheimer's and other brain diseases Mm -hmm. than their cohorts in the study. Now, for me, that we are not talking about that as a headline in the paper every day is criminal neglect of women. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest killer of women, isn't it, Alzheimer's? It's the biggest killer of women. Two-thirds of Alzheimer's patients are women. One in five of the people we know who are women 
will die of Alzheimer's. But with the brain stuff, you also explained why we can't sleep and why we don't have any energy, didn't we? All the regulatory bits of our brain just stopped, yeah. stop working without estrogen, don't they? So it's the effect is huge on women's lives. It's an incredible loss, which we were not expecting to have because we were going to all die at 57 in Victorian mm -hmm. times. And really, you know, Gen X and this generation coming through, we are the first people to look into menopause and to question it. And also we are the first generation armed with safer HRT mm -hmm. and confidence in HRT. And there never has been a generation like this. And your postcards from midlife crew are exactly the people who can kind of push this forward, ask questions and demand research. No one can get any money for research into this because mm -hmm. hormones aren't patentable because they're products of nature. And the big pharmaceutical companies don't give a damn because they can continue give it, making charging you £9,000 a year for their brilliant osteoporosis drug. And they certainly don't want to give you HRT, which will stop your osteoporosis and bring your bones back yeah. uh, because they're not going to make any money out of that. Mm -hmm. And also the shortages going on right now, if the, the companies were making huge amount of money, money out of HRT, wouldn't it be pouring into the country from Germany and France and more factories opening? It's because it's so cheap. It's because it's not mostly patented that we are having trouble with getting it. And for, for sort of anyone, as we're talking about the shortages now, anyone who is having trouble, what, what do you think they can do? I mean, I was very lucky. I managed to get my estrogel just this week, but I had to go into the chemist every day and they'd just had a delivery and I was given one and that will that's great because it will last me for a few weeks and certainly don't want to hoard it. But have you um, got any advice to share on that? Don't go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Do anything you can to get some form of estrogen back, be it trying the patches or if you, there's some patches around. The other thing is to ask your doctor if they can supply, which is not usually on the prescription list, but they can prescribe it off the prescription list, which is something called Bijuve, which has just come out. Mm -hmm. And it's a pill which is uh, body identical estrogen and body identical progesterone. It's not quite as brilliant as the transdermal, but it's very good. And it's very safe compared to the old combined pills. So it's worth asking for Bijuve and maybe topping up with some estrogen if you have some left in the meantime. I mean, mm -hmm. apart from that, everyone should be writing to their MP. Menopause czars here, there, everywhere. We really, really need to not sort of be crawling on our hands and knees to the government. We are 52% of the population. This is brilliant for our health. It's very good for our sanity. It stops women committing suicide at the peak time of suicide, which is in the perimenopause. You know, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. and, and what is the logic of the NHS in doing this? Because, you know, every bit about it would save them money in the long run. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's just insane, this situation. And it's an ancient fatberg of medical sexism, I think. <laughs> it's medical sexism. Um, <laughs> can we talk about testosterone? Because in the programme, 61% oh, yes. of the women you quiz said they've not heard about testosterone and the effect um, on midlife women, mm. particularly on brain health. Mm. Now, both Trish and I take testosterone because obviously we were lucky enough to be incredibly well informed. And I have to say, for me, it was the real game changer. It was just mm. suddenly I was back in the room and I could remember things and I my libido was back and I just felt like myself again so you can't get it here without a giant struggle on the NHS and it's not the form that we would be buying privately just explain what's going on with that because in the program it, you said it was the, the missing piece of the jigsaw when it comes to yeah. menopause 
Yeah, well, in the program, the wonderful Dr. Zoe Hodson, who's a real testosterone campaigner, she says, you know, we lose three hormones, but they give us back two. Whose bright idea was that? And I think that's very simply what it is. Um, and what we've sort of started to understand, and there's been one really interesting study in Australia of the uh, brain effects of testosterone, which basically gave women memory tests and found that after, you know, I think six months or three months on testosterone, they were remembering things much better and remembering a shopping list much better. But what we did in the program was we got three women and actually some more as well to test it. And what, you know, the program has the word sex in the title. So we're thinking women's libidos are gonna perk up here. It would be really interesting to see what they say at the beginning and end of three months. What the women told us was, I'm feeling more energy, I'm feeling sharper, my memory's better, I'm more on it. I've also got more room and my libido's back. But the things they really cared about were about their brains and their, their, their sharpness. And that was the astonishing thing for us. And naturally, there haven't really been any studies in this. And I know Manchester Metropolitan University are going to start doing a study, I think. I, I think we all know those of us who are on testosterone, like all of us mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. that it has made a huge difference and that this is not taught in medical schools, but we know it. We know it because we're patients and we're campaigners and we're journalists. We're looking at it from all sides. And, you know, if I had more money, I could do a bigger test. But also I tested the women on remembering a bunch of phone numbers, long nine digit phone numbers before and after taking testosterone. <laughs> They all got better at remembering the phone numbers. You we can't are, buy it though, can you? It's not licensed yeah. is the problem. In some areas, it is on the formulary and GPs can prescribe it direct in certain areas. They, they will go ahead. Yeah. Where I live in Camden, uh, I am on a six-month waiting list to go to my menopause clinic to get it prescribed, even though I have shown them the prescription, which I got it privately from. Yeah. So you have to queue for it and you have to go in basically on your hands and knees again and say, and the only reason the NICE guidelines will give you uh, testosterone according to official guidelines is for your libido. So I've got to go walk in and say, my sex life is terrible. And it's not. Um, and culturally, this is really difficult for some women. You know, this yeah. is just, you know, it's really handicapping a whole group of society that might find it incredibly difficult to talk about sex. I totally agree. And, and the idea that this thing is only going to help us with libido, quite clearly, it does all the same things it does in men because mm -hmm. testosterone is is about men feeling strong and smart and building muscle yeah. and having energy why would that be any different in women it and gross. it's our biggest hormone mm -hmm. and why has no one told us that testosterone is our biggest hormone why is it being taught wrongly in schools i mean it is astonishing like menopause in schools they teach you that periods start but they don't ever teach you that the end in biology, uh, in PHSE, you get taught that menopause exists, but but not in biology. Mm -hmm. I just it, it's shocking. Oh, of course, there are going to be women listening who can't take HRT yeah. for one reason or another. And you do address that, don't you, in the programme? You talk to Dr. Anise Mukherjee, who has experienced breast cancer. Mm. Do you want to just maybe share, because there will be people listening who haven't had a chance to watch a documentary yet, and we don't want to send everybody away in alarm if they can't have HRT. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, one of the huge things is exercise. 
And taking regular exercise of 20 minutes a day, if you've had breast cancer, reduces your chance of it recurring by 50%. So, I mean, it is a total win-win in terms of mood and everything. So she does talk about exercise. She does talk about nutrition, and we all know about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are no magic potions that you're particularly bringing on here that are going to change anything uh, substantially. What she does talk about is stress. Mm -hmm. And stress just completely, you know, destroys everything and if you've got even some hormones left over after breast cancer treatment stress suppresses them so it's about meditation or yoga mm -hmm. or you know walking in the country and calming down and it's very very important that we multitasking late midlife mm -hmm. women you know actually pay attention to ourselves so there is all that I also in my book tested some CBD oil really really high grade mm -hmm. on friends who'd had breast cancer one of them slept much better and another one got rid of her hot flushes for quite a mm -hmm. while. It was really expensive. It was £140 a month. But then on the other hand, if that helps, mm -hmm. you know, that's quite interesting. The other thing that women have contacted me saying is that you can take a very low dose of quite an old-fashioned antidepressant called citalopram. Mm -hmm. And that has a really good effect on many women's hot flushes. And, mm -hmm. you know, not having the hot flushes means you're not waking up at night and having yeah. night sweats, which means you're sleeping, which means you're protecting your brain. And, you know, so then you're not going to be on the, the, the train in the direction of dementia. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that we do do that and find every possible way to stop hot flushes and night sweats and let ourselves sleep it's yeah. it's, it's the sleep is the key yeah. that's what you can do to sleep yeah it's, yeah. Really it's such a journey you've been on and I have to say your book is so helpful because there's so much information in there it's very digestible um as well thank you for mentioning us as well but personally now then so you're on your HRT 58 your children are in your 20s you've come out the other side you've got all this activist energy on our behalf um going on what's happening in your life then because i think you you found love again you've you're, you're very healthy i know you do a bit of exercise <laughs> there kate well i'm not walking. swimming every morning in the icy <laughs> you i do admire that no uh, well what happened to me was um you know after my marriage and life and job and all that crashed you know, I really had spent some time on my own. And I think that was really important for three years. I was kind of just me sorting myself out and working out what I wanted yeah. to do with my life. And then I started dating a bit online and was quite courageous about it because I decided like, I'm going to date a different person every week. I did it on Guardian Soulmates, which existed at the time. And I thought, I'll just consider it to be an experiment where I interview these people yes. and have a laugh and tell my friends. And so I never felt bad or ashamed about going out there and, you know, having a coffee with someone and thinking, oh, my God, this guy is appalling and he's only talked about himself for an hour and a half and I'm going to leave. You know, I never felt bad about any of that. And I met some great guys and I met you know, a diver and a documentary maker and a psychotherapist. And, you know, they were really interesting people to talk to. So I kind of began to enjoy that. And then during that process, uh, one of my friends from university, uh, and we'd both been in a law class together in Glasgow when we were 17, contacted mm -hmm. me and said, I see you're dating too. And we hadn't seen one another for 30 something years. Um, and we went for a walk with my dog, a non-datey kind of walk mm -hmm. in uh, uh, Highgate Woods and my dog got lost. It just ran off after a squirrel and disappeared. And Cameron, who is now my partner, and I wandered around Highgate Woods looking for the dog. He remained utterly calm. He didn't get angry. He was quite funny about it. And we realised the dog had gone to the pub 
people had rung us instinctively and people had rung us from the pub and said the dog is here and we picked up the dog and we went and had coffee and that was it really and so there was this little mini crisis which you know brought us together and we had so much in common because we both had this past in Scotland and in Glasgow we were both living in London and I wanted to connect back to that world too and he's a lawyer so he's doing something very different from me I am really really lucky to have you know found love again with life Mm -hmm. I think it's really worth going out there and working hard on it also Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like saying that to other people who are sitting waiting you just have to keep going out fishing. Mm-hmm. That's so good to hear. So your career is riding high, your relationship, your kids are grown up and settled, I mean, your body, your, your hormones are balanced. It's all sounding very good for you, which is fantastic. Is there anything else coming up that you're working on? Any other projects? Well, I want to take this to America and I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to do it. And I really want to do a documentary in America. And I'm kind of horrified that their kind of celebrity elite is mm-hmm. apparently not on HRT at all, ever. Oh. Mm-hmm. And there are one or two people who started to slightly come out, sort of Drew Barrymore a bit, maybe mm-hmm. Reese spoon have been involved in kind of menopause things. I really want to bust the bubble in America and get them all to talk about it. And I've been to talk to lots of American doctors in February when I was over filming with Lisa Moscone. And there is a really interesting bunch of doctors out there who've got very, very strong opinions. So if somehow we can have a movement like we had in right. the, yeah, you know, it would make a big difference. Take New York first. <laughs> And then we'll do Washington, and then we'll do the other side. Yeah, well, any ideas? <laughs> well, we didn't uh, think we might get a giant RV and we just did. drive across <laughs> the spreading the word one side of America to the other and talk mm. to people because mm-hmm. yeah. it's women that will spread the word. It, yeah. that's, that's what we. That's I mean, you laugh. It was a genuinely serious idea. Yeah. We thought if we talk to lots of women in small places, they'll tell their sisters, their partners, their people at work, and it mm. will begin to you know. And then the demand um, mm-hmm. will be there so thank you Kate for I mean advocating on our behalf and also finding out all this information Mm. because is the information is the well the knowledge is the power isn't it I think Um, and as you say we should all write to our MPs and say what are you doing about this not just for ourselves but for the women who really don't have this information and won't have access to it it would be much Mm. harder for them and also around the prescription charges as well so we'll put all the details on the Facebook group about the book and the program and I'm hoping that we'll talk to you in a year's time (laughs) we'll just be saying thank god all of this has been sorted out (laughs) possibly I don't know. I hope so. I think it's going to be a long one, but it, it's quite fun as well, isn't it? I feel yes. a real sense of warmth in these amazing women like you and like all the women out there that everybody's working together on this. And that is, it's really, really, really uplifting. Well, thank, thank you. you. The time has arrived for our very first Midlife Milestones and Magic Moments, also known as mm, in which one of our listeners is going to share a little bit of inspiration, which might be something every day or something completely life-changing, a decision to walk away or a brave new venture you're heading towards. And first up, we have Cathy. Hello, postcards from Midlife. I'm Cathy, I'm 54 and I live in the Isle of Man. 
My midlife moment happened a couple of years ago when I finally realised that during any difficult times in my life, I'd always sought solace and calm in a garden of some shape or form. So anyway, that led me to start to study a qualification in horticulture with the RHS. It's nearly finished now and I have to say it's been one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. And apart from having to study hard and sit examinations, which is quite difficult when you're middle-aged and been a long time out of the education system. It's been really rewarding and I've learnt that life's for living and there are opportunities out there if you just look for them and give them a go. That was a lovely listen. What a lovely thing to say. I'm I'm completely uplifted by Cathy's thoughts there. I don't know anything about gardening, though, Trish, although I did manage to revitalise some tulips this week by watering them. That's quite uh, quite special, isn't it? Well, that was a nice snippet, wasn't it? And we have one more snippet before the end of the show with Nostalgia Noodle, which we're changing up a bit because having shared more than 80 memories each, well, our brains are starting to implode, aren't they? We're trying to record new ones. We can't remember anymore. Yes, you are asking two women who can barely remember their surnames to Mm. remember all the way back to when they were children. So um, we're going to try a new approach. It's going to be called Guess the Year. Another genius name. I think that was one of yours, Trish. Uh, no one is going to believe that working with words, we've come up with guess the year, for God's sake. <laughs> anyway, Trish, I am going to give you okay. three clues, okay? Yeah. Here he is ready. I've guess the year. Go and then, then you guess the year. This yeah. is your nostalgic year. You, you, you might well guess this, actually. Mm-hmm. Purple Rain, the single. Oh, okay. Prince. Prince. The two popular baby names were Sarah and Christopher oh and I'm going to throw in a magazine one for you okay that might help smash hits yes had Thompson twins on the cover oh. and which car magazine had an Austin Metro on the cover right okay so I'm going to the 80s I'm going yeah. back to the 80s yeah. and I'm gonna go 84 you got it in one Really? Yes. Oh my God, that's amazing. My bonus question was going to be okay. who who got four B's, five C's, and a D in their O levels. That would be me. <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> Brilliant. It was yes, fantastic. Well done, well done me. Well done, it's the Trish. Thompson twins because I love the Thompson twins and I love Smash Hits. So All I was going to go eighty nine with Purple Rain, and then I realised when since you said Thompson twins, well, I did think yeah. that Purple Rain was the most difficult clue actually because I thought mm. that was much um, later yes. as well. It was also yes. the year that Ghostbusters was out. Um, it was Band Aid in the Miners' Strike. I think yes. you'd have got it immediately. Yes. Those two yes. clues. That's um, true. Yeah. So you'd just done your O levels and done fair pretty yes. well by the sounds of things. What? Decided... Four B's, five C's, and a D? I got nine C's. And then I had to go, this what? is so embarrassing, I had to go and see my form tutor and tell him my results. And he's, he's called out all the you know, English C, math C. And guess what he said at the end? What? I see. Oh, for God's sake. That's a dad joke before. I was so upset, especially with my French. I was hoping I'd get a higher one in French and English. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Life has worked out okay, right? 
despite the well, nonsense. yes, my D was in physics, which I mean, who put, who put me in for that O level, for God's yes, sake? Yes, yes, but that was one the end start. of the pencil from the other. You just left school then, didn't you? And off you went. I just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, up to that London, and, and yeah. here we are. There I was. I went from those fabulous results at my local comprehensive to mm. quaffing champagne with tiny Stanley so- Tucci <laughs> in Soho. There, kids, that could be your career trajectory too brings us to the end of this week's postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you could make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us too on your app that would be most marvelous Yes, we would like some new reviews, please. That would be very, very grateful. Please and thank you, wouldn't we? Um, And do tell your friends about us. We want as many women as possible to join in the midlife conversation. And that's what our private Facebook group is all about. So if you aren't a member, do sign up come over and join the chat you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss as well as start new threads we thought we might do one of awful train journeys after this week's episode yeah. didn't we? because we we see all those lovely programs on tv with michael portillo going off on a train somewhere fabulous but we think that's not what we're well they're not getting really on the like gwr no, from no, um, exactly. bobby parkway so, are they so tell us your funny train stories um yes anything else you'd like to hear on the show or you can email us at hello at postcards from midlife.com or pop a little message on the Instagram. Goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.